Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are talking about, of course, John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man, the film that begat this whole universe and all of these, uh, these movies that we're going to be talking about on the show. Joining me again uh, this week, I have uh, Chrissy Lenz and Nathan Blackwell from the Most Excellent 80s Movie Podcast. Hello again, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hello. So glad to have you back so that we can finally find out what is going to happen to poor Jensen. Just been torture. <laughs> <laughs> well, on today's show, uh, this minute, uh, minute 32, starts with Raza pulling the old hot coal trick on Jensen and ends with Tony auditioning, maybe, for Ramin Jawadi with a wonderful hammer and anvil performance. The old hammer and anvil. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that hot coal and that great moment, and we get that resolution. Finally, we get to find out what is going to happen with the hot coal. But as we were discussing uh, in yesterday's minute, it is very much like that uh, Indiana Jones moment, right? He's got the, the coal right in front of him. And it's very threatening until he finally just kind of drops it there in front of Yinsen, throws his tongs and walks out. It's a great shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And watching the smoke coming off of that thing, it looks like real smoke. I have I, I, I really don't think it is, but I feel like they did a great job. And I feel like the technology to make smoke and embers and things like that. I mean, it's just amazing what they can create. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm hypersensitive on like digital smoke and digital fire and things like that. It's one of those things that, that's really kind of really, really hard to get, you know, to get right. And it, it had to have been that they shot real smoke somewhere and then basically composited onto it. It, it, Digital smoke just never looks good to me. I mean, this looks like really good smoke. I, like, I buy it. I mean, that's... I, I've been watching this smoke <laughs> for a very long time, and it just always looks convincing to me. Yeah, I think smoke... The smoke is about 30... Uh, about 30 seconds of this minute, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, and I'm digging it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's it, smoke is one thing that is very difficult to keep consistent because it obviously is changing from shot to shot and how much is out there and everything. It seems to go from quite a bit of smoke coming off of it to little trickles of smoke. And then when you get the close-up around second 17, there's quite a bit of smoke. It just seems to be pouring out of that thing. Yeah, yeah. And then he sets it down, and again, it's quite a bit of smoke. But then it cuts to Raz's close-up, and there's hardly any smoke passing him. <laughs> and then it cuts to a wide shot, and it's like Yinsen might as well have a cigar in his mouth. There's so much smoke uh, coming out, like, over his head. And it looks like it's yeah. the, the shot is funny because it all looks like it's coming out of his ear. <laughs> it does. <laughs> that could even be practical, like it's actually coming out of the block that he's sitting on, that his face is yeah. right up against. Chrissy, how do you feel about the smoke? I mean, he's under a lot of stress. It's, you know, smoke coming out of his ears is, uh, <laughs> it's all a, 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 a just way of showing that he's, uh, he's a little bit nervous. Under pressure. Mm-hmm. It's like the cartoon. It's the, it fits with the comics, yeah. right? He's very angry. He's got smoke coming out of his yeah, ears. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you like, I mean, just logistically, science wise, him breathing on the coal could be causing more smoke, right? Because it's right in front of his face. <laughs> uh, right, right. That's, I, I, I would, would love mm-hmm. a scientific analysis. Right. Of him being like so, sort of trying to blow it out, maybe even like, whoo, whoo. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is great. Uh, and although you can't see his mouth moving, so it's all coming out of his nose. Mm-hmm. He's doing a lot mm-hmm. of heavy nose breathing, trying to <laughs> blow it out. Mm-hmm. This is the big final moment of the threat in Urdu that we have as Raza is trying to get information from poor Yinsen here. As we ended our last minute, Raza was saying, now, and then here he starts off saying, tell me. And then Yinsen says, you're Jericho. And Raza says, tell me now. Yinsen says, you're Jericho. Raza, tell me now. Yinsen says, you're Jericho. And then that's when Stark steps in. What do you want, a delivery date? That's pretty much the translation of that. So Tony definitely knows that Yinsen is definitely covering for him because he understands the Jericho part. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is where Tony really decides to stick his neck out for Yinsen. Then everybody reacts immediately. Like as soon as he, as Tony opens his mouth, every gun is pointed at him. Everybody's yelling, yelling, yelling. And it's, you know, that's scary too. It's clearly a lot for Tony. I mean, he's a businessman. He knows how to deal with people. Obviously, this has been a very different situation for him, but still, he's found ways to kind of deal and work through situations and create understandings. But this particular moment when he steps forward, it is pretty interesting to see, like, everybody kind of raise up their guns at him. Even Abu is right there with his, uh, you know, he, he's got the strangest move where he's just kind of throwing up his hand like he's best friends with him now. And saying, no, 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 stop. Like, he's just saying stop, whereas everyone else is ready to shoot. And that's kind of funny because the way that they played Abu, uh, I I sent you guys the deleted scene. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a deleted slash extended slash alternative scene that kind of composited several different scenes. The way that Abu was originally scripted and even shot in an earlier version of this film, he had created a much more jovial relationship with Tony, which was very strange to see as like Tony's washing his laundry and all this sort of stuff. He's kind of coaching them on their backgammon game. (laughs) And so even though the relationship has changed, obviously, because now he's not getting shot as as he did when Raza walked in and just Mm -hmm. killed him, they are still choosing to create the, I guess I would say the the gentler terrorist of the group here Mm -hmm. because he isn't pointing gun at him. I don't know. Does does that matter, do you think? It's nice that he has a a different kind of reaction, that it's just not this uniformed everyone pointing a gun at him. He's like, whoa, dude, slow your roll, you know? Yeah, Yeah, and it definitely gives it a little more realism and texture that everyone's not having the same reaction. To me, it was sort of a kind of a response to Tony. Like, he's so bombastic and extroverted you know that kind of feels like wherever he goes in life even when people hate him they love him right so like to have even just one of the the version of this terrorist group that interacts with him most assistant manager of the terrorists (laughs) assistant to the manager right (laughs) you know and, and kind of take a take a liking to tony feels real to me just in the way that tony you know, I mean, he he has kept Rhodey on his side all this time, even though he treats Rhodey terribly. Like, there's something about him that makes people want to be on his side. And so, like, of course, he's going to convince the terrorists to be his friends. Yeah, right. And that's definitely something they amped up in the film more. Because Tony was, you know, he started off in the comic book a very kind of unlikable guy. He was a military arms dealer. He uh, was a playboy. He was a, a billionaire all these things that the comic book reading Vietnam protester type of, of people hated. And then Stanley turned him into this hero. 
And that was kind of great. But once they were through that, he was a pretty likable guy. You know, <laughs> he was mm-hmm. he was pretty pretty everybody liked him, even Rhodey. And so it is it is nice to see here in the film how they've kind of really amped that up in this whole first act to really give you that sense that there's a lot that's not that likable about him, but there's still something that's hard to not like about him. It's an interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. Especially once he starts caring about other people. Yeah. Once he grows his heart. Well, and I I think that's great casting, too, because Robert Downey Jr. just kind of embodies that without having to work too hard for it. He just has that, like, naughty charm where even if he is doing something terrible, it just he just has that twinkle in his eye that makes you still want to fall in love with him plus with all the problems that he'd been having it just it seemed like he fit in this world of tony stark Mm -hmm. very well very well yeah we do get an interesting end to this scene when raza after he drops the coal and throws his tongs he has that great moment when he says you have till tomorrow to assemble my missile what's interesting about that shot and tell me if i'm wrong but it looks like the exact same shot that was the end of the alt version right after he shoots Abu and you see him standing there with the gun and then he actually he lowers the gun and has that line. And I, I'm pretty sure it's the exact same shot from that scene. Oh, that's great. Yeah, good on them. It's it's always neat how you can take um, in the editing process how you sometimes you're just backed into a corner. It's like, oh, shoot, we really need this moment of this person reacting to this. And you just pluck it in from something that isn't the, that exact moment just to make it work. What's interesting about that is you have the two versions of the scene as it plays out with the same shot. And the one that we get when he is saying that line that smoke is in front of him and is kind of wafting past him so that's a great way to tell that hey look there's the digital smoke that they (laughs) that they did add specifically for the scene because it plays in a totally different spot in the film pretty interesting for sure yeah you got good eyes When you start watching these movies like a minute at a mm-hmm. time, it's just like scrubbing <laughs> through like second after second. It's like, oh, look, okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy how the things that I've started to notice <laughs> as I look through these things. It's great. And then, okay, so then we have this uh, this transition. We've, we've got this threat. We've got this uh, timeline that has now been set by Raza where he's got until tomorrow, which is a very short time Mm -hmm. to finish the missile. Yeah, I think that's just poor management. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it isn't a lot of time to finish a missile. You know, (laughs) although theoretically, I mean, the script has where Tony has been here well over three months. And so I guess I can say, you know, I, I feel like I'd probably see a little more of some form of a missile laying on the table. Mm-hmm. Although, <laughs> Guys, we need to have a meeting. I'm really upset with the progress on the missile. Considering they're all just hanging out in the cave, yeah. I really want to know what they're actually doing the rest of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I would love if there's a boardroom in this cave that we don't we don't see any of those scenes where they're basically talking about management decisions, you know, regional managers and things like that, like the assistant manager all deciding as like, well, 
Look, you know, on this whiteboard right here, we've got the progress of the missile and we are just way behind. Right. We're not meeting our projected goals at all. We need to <laughs> right. we need some motivation techniques. You know, I've just been reading Who Moved My Cheese? And I think that we need to uh, restructure our uh, our management styles. You so know? the coal, huh? We're going to do the coal. We're going to do the coal. <laughs> Sticking with the coal. Coal works. I wonder if any of them have been reading Who Moved yeah, My Cheese? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'd like to think that they are, but... Clearly, uh, I don't think Raza has been reading that. I mean, in the alt version, he shoots his number two. Here, he you know, he's got the the crazy deadline. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he could use a little a little help. I mean, he's great at threatening people. Oh yeah, he really I, is good I, at that. I feel threatened. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, right. yeah. But you don't want to have to walk that threat back when like you show up tomorrow and they've got like two thirds of a missile. Or we we did. We're working like we look. It looks like a missile now. Okay, <laughs> one more day. You know, that's no good. You know, the smart thing that uh, that Tony and Yinsen have at least been doing. I, I mean, you know, they've been obviously secretly building this this suit, and we haven't really seen much of it, but we know what his plans are. Uh, but at least they have left like pieces of all the missiles that they've been pilfering from laying about. So even like behind him. In the next shot, you, you've got what looks like a missile kind of standing up behind him. And so it's like, I feel like they're doing a good job of kind of disguising the room to make it look like a missile factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just don't look behind this curtain it's right, where this secret right. engineering happens. I know. It's, it's awfully hard to hide what they're doing, but somehow they still manage mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, these guys. So we transition from this threatening moment as Raza and his men pull out of the room and they they uh we don't actually see them leave the room but we obviously know they are he's dropped his coal and thrown his tongs and we know what that means when raza's leaving the room so that's that's time to go and so next we cut to uh, we have this great transition with some fantastic fantastic great driving music uh, ramin jawadi the track mark one as uh, as we have tony just hammering at the anvil and he's hammering away at uh, at some iron <laughs> or at least a sh- at least a sheet of metal and i will say i mean it's it just feels like this is the sort of scene that you really need to have when your movie is called iron mm-hmm. man right oh, oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely like <laughs> fire and embers and plus he's able to kind of physicalize his anger and his determination it's such a great transition just hammering metal like that's perfect like that's absolutely a trailer moment yeah and it's kind of a bummer that it's only the back half of this minute like i feel like that should really have been the entirety of the five minutes that we were taught you know it's just like (laughs) could we have a little bit more please i'm not sure like i want to see more of the intensity and anger really i just want to watch robert downey jr with a hammer as long as possible (laughs) it it works just working that Mm -hmm. metal Yeah. yeah he's very sweaty he's dirty he's got that tank top on he's got his arc reactor his uh his rt device which I finally figured out is stands for uh, repulsor technology. Right, device. I don't right. know why I couldn't figure that out for the longest time. But uh, he's got that glowing through his shirt. Mm-hmm. The way that the the room is lit is just kind of got that dark, moody glow from the fire. And uh, and then, oddly, a whole bunch of candles. <laughs> which I just, well, we got this, I was thinking, uh, this mood candles of romance, yeah. <laughs> Self-romance. I, I love, though, that he is so... 
you always sort of wonder if he's living this lavish like playboy lifestyle of just like jetting from place to place and <laughs> drinking you know all day every day like how is he maintaining that level of fitness you know i mean right. show us just a few seconds of him like hitting the gym or even caring a little bit about <laughs> you know being straight up jacked you know which he is but i think that's a part of tony stark too is that like underneath at all underneath his bad boyness bad boyness is that the uh, technical term bad bad boyness um <laughs> it sounds pretty technical yeah. i like he, it he like he is a straight up stone cold genius and he is a strong man he is all of that in spite of how hard he tries to convince people yeah (laughs) he brought those he had those (laughs) he he brought those they were in a suit you can take the billionaire out of the billionaire house but you can't (laughs) sorry (laughs) but you put him in a cave he's still gotta live a little luxury okay yeah exactly I just I love though I mean here he is he's got he's got until tomorrow right as we know he's got a 24 hour deadline per Raza and he still takes time or maybe Yinsen maybe he had Yinsen do it but one of them takes the time uh-huh. to set all the candles out and get them all lit just to kind of have the have the mood yeah. for the intense intense preparation we we just see them out of focus like in the background like w- w- wouldn't it be great if they were all actually just around a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or if, yeah, as we as he's hammering, we see the candles back there, and then we can see Yinsen in the bath back there. Just <laughs> right. <laughs> Calgon, take me away. Well, but right. it's all yeah that we do see a few minutes, like in the minutes before this, when he is like giving them instructions, and he says like, "I need a table, and I need a lot of light." Like maybe they just like didn't include the line where he's like, "Don't bring me sixty watt bulbs. I need a soft flickering. I need candles." <laughs> Don't don't try and bring any LEDs in Some here. Incense I need, would be yeah. nice. <laughs> I need it to think. I need it to work. It's funny that you say that because in the script they they only showed one little chunk of what he actually requested, mm-hmm. and it's funny because in this they they cut a chunk where it's like extremely technical, like military stuff. Then it ended with stuff like finally I want tube socks and toothbrush and protein powder and tea and a washing machine <laughs> it's like the strangest list of things but they should have had and two dozen candles yeah that's his writer yeah, right. <laughs> it is a funny little element to add but i will say good old uh, matthew libatique our, our cinematographer of this he uses it beautifully to his advantage to create a fantastic moment of just the light and shadow through that whole moment that we have with the hammering and the the sparks coming out of the fire mm-hmm. in the corner and it just makes for a really intense scene plus i mean tony's just hammering to the beat he's got ramin jawadi in his head it just works it is just a fantastic mm-hmm. fantastic scene yeah and the, and the fires and the candles also really give off like a nice warm reddish color for the background and then you've got like the leds and the light on his chest giving off like this blue and it just makes everything look really nice especially when you've got so much blackness you got so much darkness you know when you're shooting like in a cave the question is like how are you going to light it what's the realistic lighting that would be in here and and then you've got to find some ways to kind of add some texture to the background just so it just all doesn't become black 
And they do a really good job with filling all the space and just throwing little hints here and there, getting a little reflection off the side of this piece of whatever it is. Uh, yeah. You know, they've they've created a really nice feel within this cave because you're right. I mean, this I mean, it is a set. Obviously, this is our cave set. But a cave by nature, if you go into a cave and you have nothing, <laughs> I mean, it is pitch black. Yeah. Like you're seeing nothing. And so everything in here is generated by some form of light. And it actually, I mean, it just looks really nice. And it all ends up feeling, you know, it, it, nothing feels like artifice. It doesn't feel like, you know, the gaffer put a light over here and that's where that's coming from. It all ends up feeling like it works uh, based on what I'm seeing in the shots. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, did either of you ever, were either of you Iron Man readers of the comics? No, I was more of a Spider-Man reader, and then they, they crossed paths a lot. Um, I knew the general gist of him, but none of the specifics. I was not familiar with Iron Man before this movie um, came out, or, or the you know the buzz sort of started coming out for this movie in uh, back in the day. Like, you know, I, I'd heard of and read a, like a teensy bit of some of our major heroes but yeah iron man was a little too deep in the scene for me i was uh, an x-men girl ah gotcha so the mask that we see him hammering away at we don't get a great shot of it but we do kind of get this this shot of him dipping into the water to cool it off and then pulling it out and it's just steaming and he walk he's yeah. walking and this, this is how we end our scene he's kind of walking it somewhere and we kind of get a glimpse as to what it is we kind of might mm -hmm. know what it is and we can talk about it more i guess uh, in tomorrow's minute but when tony first makes his iron man suit it is this gray metal suit that he kind of forges from all these parts in the cave and it ends up looking very much like what they ended up doing here i thought they did a great job of actually creating that feel for this Mark One suit that they do. Even though I, I wasn't like a huge fan, I knew the imagery of the very first Iron Man. My brother had kind of like the complete collection, like these old archived hardbound books. And it, it had like the first 10 issues of a, a lot of the, the major characters. Like he had one for each. And I remember the Iron Man suit being very iconic. And even though I wasn't a huge fan didn't know a ton about him i was still kind of super jazzed that they were kind of touching on the the original mythos and imagery what about you chrissy did you uh what did you think of this suit and this idea of of seeing this uh this metal man being birthed before our eyes i love it you know i loved it i love everything about how they present it to you and the way that they reveal it and i think all of the sort of moments where something you can feel it, even if you can't recognize it based on knowing how it looks in the comic or how it's revealed in the comic, you definitely get a sense of that of like, oh, OK, this is an important moment. That's an important image. And especially when you see it in a theater with a bunch of other people, you can like feel it in the air like, oh, this is something that's like really meaningful and iconic and they're doing a great job of showing it to us in a in a really exciting way but also if you don't have that knowledge it's still just as powerful and 
immediately, instantly iconic. The people who get the reference, they shouldn't be the only one that gets the value out of the experience. Right. That's exactly it. It shouldn't be like a deep, deep in joke. It's still got to be satisfying if you're coming at it and you've never seen a Marvel movie. In fact, everyone at this point had never seen a Marvel movie. And, and just that you get the prime, the primal experience of what the character is going through and what this thing means Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah i thought it was really effective i had never read anything of iron man i i knew who iron man was as a character but i had only ever seen him in just kind of the what we will soon in the film come to know kind of that red and gold suit Mm -hmm. that's all i ever knew of iron man so i didn't know anything about his history and i just remember when i first saw him creating this suit and putting it on and stuff i'm like oh that's just a genius way to to have this work where he creates this early version of the suit that leads to the other one and i didn't even realize that that's how it worked in the comic book so i i mean as somebody who had never read it i like you guys are saying it just it worked incredibly strongly for me and i i found that the way that favreau and the writers chose to kind of build it and and tell it i i just found it to be an exciting reveal that worked perfectly it's very primal i mean all the metal has dents and it's made out of things that from his environment it's it's a great kind of introduction to his eventual uh, robot suit addiction (laughs) (laughs) yes i can't wait to talk about that in a good number of years when we finally get around to iron man 2 and 3 and beyond now there is an interesting scripted bit actually that happens while Tony is banging out the mask Yinsen actually has an off screen monologue Yinsen is making his own robot suit (laughs) (laughs) right so I'm just going to read this to you and then uh, get your impression of what you think and how it might have played if they kept this in so we've got Tony here I'll just read this this is interior lab cave continuous day Abu shuts the door slat. Tony wipes his face, pulls on a pair of gloves as he goes to the furnace. He takes a white-hot piece of metal from the forge and starts pounding on it. Yinsen, soldering a complex circuit, looks up. He is struck by the image of Tony, strong and resolute, hammering away. Slow push in on Tony, hammering away. Yinsen off screen. My people have a tale about a prince, much hated by his king, who is banished to the underworld and jailed there. Boom, boom, the hammer at blows echo. Yinsen. The evil king gave him the most difficult labor, working the iron pits. Tony's muscles ripple, sweat flying. Yinsen. Year after year, the prince mined the heavy ore, becoming so strong he could crush pieces of it together with his bare hands. Too late, the king realized his mistake. Dazzling sparks fly around Tony. Yinsen. When he struck at the prince with his finest sword, it broke in half. The prince himself had become strong as iron. Tony, sweating, holds up the metal he's been working on. A crude iron mask stares back. Hmm. Would that have helped? No. <laughs> it's a two on the <laughs> nose. It, yeah, it's we get it. Yeah. We, we don't, you know, show yeah. us, don't tell us. Space showed us. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. I, I'm writing a, a feature screenplay right now, and it's definitely hard. You, you want to, you want everyone to understand what's going on, and you do tend to overwrite. You know, and and, sure. and then when you you film it visually, it's like, oh, my gosh, like there's so much conveyed in just the actors or actresses look 
that you realize mm-hmm. you've overwritten everything. Yeah, and so I don't miss it at all. I, I'm glad it's gone. And plus, we can we kind of we want we're, we're kind of turning a corner and and moving into the energy of Tony's decision of of Tony's new direction. You know, and we don't want to slow down at this point. We want to speed up. Yeah. The music gives us the driving beat, and I don't think we really need anything else. I, I will say, I do find reading a script and having bits like this in there really help inform the tone of the scene, and it gives a good sense of what the vibe is, perhaps. And I feel like it helps the director, it helps the actors really kind of get in tune with what we're trying to do. But like you said, those are the sorts of things that it helps in the, in the writing and the reading but it doesn't necessarily need to be there in the finished piece. And I'm really glad that that's not here, even though it's fun read. I like reading it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it could even be sometimes, sometimes you do have to add in a little explanation just for the read. And then you hope that you don't shoot it, you know, because again, just figuring out what's too much, what's too little and too much description and, and carrying the, the read and the information on the screenplay. I, I, <laughs> I just, from my experience personally, a lot of people I find will skip description and just go and read from, read the dialogue. Oh yeah. So, for sure. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And this, di- this dialogue specifically is like, Ugh. you get it? He's a man who's, <laughs> who's strong as iron. Do you get it? You get it, right? We all get it? Okay. Oh, I didn't read the part where Yinsen winks at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have anything else for this minute. What about you guys? It's a good minute. Uh, no, I think I'm good. I, well, ex- I'm wondering, so, so I'm wondering where some of the metal comes from and he, he dunks the, the, the helmet into like kind of a tin can. It'd be funny if like, he the room just had like 30 of these like tin cans in it and that that's what he assembled the whole uniform out of (laughs) (laughs) this uniform yeah it would be nice to see eventually he's going to take that can dump the water out and that would be his leg or something that's the upper Mm -hmm. thigh right right (laughs) and all over it just says Folgers (laughs) (laughs) yeah up and down yeah up and down his uniform product placement yep yeah get the product placement in where you can Uh, well, you guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Iron Man, chatting yeah. a little bit about the show. Thanks for having us. Now, do you guys want to remind everybody where people can find you? Yes, definitely. We uh, are co-hosts of a uh, podcast. It's called The Most Excellent 80s Movies Podcast, uh, where we watch our favorite movies from the 80s and uh, uh, look at them with modern eyes and sort of see what we still like and don't still like about them. And of course that that's found everywhere podcasts are found. <laughs> what should people search under to find it? Uh, most Excellent 80s or Most Excellent 80s Movies Podcast and it's on mostexcellentpod.com Do you guys feel like eventually you're going to hit a point where you're going to have to start talking about the 80s movies that you never liked? Oh yeah, we've already started that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we've already dipped yeah, we, a toe we, in we, those we, waters. Yeah, we, we've been trying to, we didn't want to go after like the obvious ones. Like we haven't touched on any um, Star Wars films or Raiders Lost Ark. We've been kind of mining for these, these weirder experiences that we had that just kind of stuck in our brain and we wanted to kind of revisit those experiences 
experiences. Um, sometimes we'll watch movies that neither of us have seen or just one of us has a strong opinion about it. For example, Chrissy has a really weird experience with E.T. I hate it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I don't like oh, you it. hate it? What? I find it terrifying and awful and scary. I mean, I get that. I, I get that um, it's a good movie, but I do not care for it. Wow, okay. On the other hand, okay. I love the movie Mannequin <laughs> and think that everyone should see it. Boy, there's one I watched a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, so it's no good. Yeah, for- <laughs> I, I haven't seen it since, but but I yeah. loved it at the time. Yeah, that was one for me that I had never, ever seen. And so I saw it for the first time for the podcast. And uh, it's definitely entertaining, for sure. I just remember. What what was his friend's name? Oh, was it Hollywood? Hollywood, yeah. Yes. Oh, it was yes. amazing. <laughs> great, great movie. All right, everybody. Well, that is it for today's show. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. Mm-hmm.